When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It is the Monday show on Friday because Newcastle United played Everton last night at Goodison Park and picked up another three points in the race for European football, Champions League football. Don't think it was the best performance we've seen from Newcastle United, but a sign of a very good team is to pick up three points when you're not necessarily at your best. But I hope you will excuse us because we will get on, of course, to talk about Newcastle's win over Everton. But we're going to indulge ourselves for just a moment because this week we were uh, awarded the Best Sport Podcast 2023 from the Polish Podcast Awards. That's right, Aaron. We did it. Yep. Against all odds. Against all I mean, the BBC we even nominated. So I was not overly confident we'd pick this up, but we did. And we just want to say thank you to you guys who watch, who listen, who subscribe and follow, who get in touch via email, via Twitter, even the ones who leave the not-so-nice reviews. We all uh, appreciate your input. And it's a privilege to cover Newcastle United, and we like to think we do a good job of it, asking the tough questions as well as enjoying the positive elements of Newcastle at the moment. And uh, it's nice to see the hard work paying off. Yeah, absolutely. As, as you've mentioned, you know, thank you to all the listeners and all the viewers who watch us live. And also a big shout out needs to go at yourself. I know you're very modest and you won't like to admit it, but the graft you put on on this podcast is a second to none. And I'll forgive the fact that I didn't get invited down to the awards ceremony. I didn't get a sample of any of the, the free booze that I heard was on offer, but yeah, over the moon. And, and yeah, glad that you got to reap the rewards. Yeah, it was a, it was a good night. And yeah, I, I, picture here from the night, like this is genuine shock. I just did not believe we were going to win it. That's uh, Arash there who looks after the, the podcast on a match day. Uh, and I still I still can't quite believe we, we've won it. It, um, it blows my mind slightly. Looking a lot more sober there than I imagine two or three hours later, post-award. I had to log on very early the next morning and set up <laughs> the website for the outing game. So I didn't have too many eels. And today we're celebrating with a, a nice cup of tea. And some celebratory roses as well for my showbiz editor, Simon. So very, very, uh, thank you very much for those. Out of interest, which which is your favourite rose? Oh, I couldn't tell you. I can't remember the last time I had one. I'm more of a more of a heroes man, I think. More of a heroes man. I mean, that's probably a debate for another episode. We'll crack into them later on. But now let's get on to what you guys are all here for, and that is a bit of a discussion about Newcastle's four-one win over Everton. I think yesterday was in terms of. The performance a really important win because for me that was one of the worst performances I think especially that first half of the season I, obviously you've got Villa so it was nowhere near as bad as well but I just felt if Everton had something about them 
the in them first twenty minutes, we it would have been a totally different scoreline. Newcastle couldn't hold on to the ball, they couldn't string a pass together, they looked a little bit off the pace. And yeah, I, I do think the game plan was let's contain Everton. It was a massive, massive atmosphere. If we can contain them for the first 15, 20 minutes, then the game was pretty much ours. And I think that game plan shone through. I think you're giving them a little bit too much credit for that first half. I think it didn't look like there was any game plan first half. And if I'm completely honest, it seems like, yes, they're still racking up the wins, but away from home, I'm not sure what it is. Every week they seem to be trying to outdo themselves with a, a, you know, which away performance in the first half can be worse. Really, really slow out the blocks at West Ham, even though they were 2-0 up early doors. Very, very slow in the first half against Brentford. Obviously, they picked it up in the second half. Villa, we all know, um, you know how that ended. And I actually think if Everton had a little bit about them up front and if they had a little bit more confidence and they were on a bit of a better run... On another day, they could have really punished Newcastle in the first half. But obviously, saying that, you know, whatever Eddie Howe keeps saying to them at half time is working. They were, you know, absolutely fantastic second half. We can't knock them for that. Um, and even when they're not playing well, they're scoring a lot of goals, which, as you say, is the, you know, the, the, um, the look of a really good side. Now, Peter says, personally, I think the Everton win was better than the Spurs one simply because of the pressure. And the fact Everton actually put up more fight. And I, I can see where you're coming from with that, Peter, because I do think sometimes when you have to really fight for the win, it can be more of a benefit than if you've won at a canter. I mean, you'd always like to win at a canter, wouldn't you, and score a boatload of goals. But I do think the benefits of really having to stick in and being second best for some parts of the game and then running out winners, and not only winners, but comfortable winners in the end, I think that can breed a lot more positive results than sometimes when you do just have it easy. There's an argument for that because obviously the game at Tottenham was pretty much done after 10 minutes, wasn't it? 80 minutes, Newcastle were never really going to lose that game. It felt for a long time yesterday that, you know, they could drop points, especially in the first half. Um, and as I say, that, you know, Brentford, Everton, tough away games where maybe they've been a little bit spooked by the atmosphere early doors. As soon as they get that out of the system, you know, they're blowing teams away in second half of games. And, they're riding their luck a little bit away from home, but six games left, four of them at home. It's a big, big boost for them. What did you make of the, the atmosphere before? And we all saw the videos of the, the flares and the, and the bus arriving. Part of me thought, well, this is either going to go really well, Ferriton, or this is going to send them even further um, down the track of being absolutely petrified. It kind of reminded us of, I don't know if we all saw that video like in Graham Potter's last few weeks at Chelsea when he went to the... Chelsea meeting with the fans and he was like we're going to effing win the Champions League and I, you know it just felt like that where I just wondered if that's kind of going to be the response where they're not going to feel comfortable in that situation I, I mean like we say for the first 20 minutes though they played alright Everton um, and they did push Newcastle it was just Newcastle had a game plan and it, it worked really really baffled by Everton having some really big games at the bottom of the table I think they've still got to play Southampton they've still got to play Bournemouth Yet yesterday was, was, the cup was their cup final, in the words of uh, Everton fan Tony Bellew. Look, they, they tried their best early doors to get in the in the heads of Newcastle players, and it probably worked. Um, but as soon as that Callum Wilson goal went in in the first half, you just felt the atmosphere drop. Newcastle, you know, as I say, Newcastle fans found their voice a bit. Not sure what I feel about fireworks and, and all that before a game. I'm, it's very a bit cringy for me. Um and look, Everton look doomed, by the way. You know, they didn't even mean to score yesterday. 
they just had nothing in attack. Their defence is all over the shop. <laughs> they didn't even mean this score. Well, they didn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? They scored by accident. Um, and I just think, yeah, if Newcastle had lost yesterday, it would have been an absolute shambles because Everton are just... It's the poorest Everton side I can remember. And, you know, that's saying something given that Lampard was their manager 12 months ago. Well, it's just a lesson how not to really run a football club, isn't it? From, from top to bottom. You can spend all that money, but if you don't spend it wisely, and I think this is why Newcastle gets some unfair press from those on a national scale when it, they say it's all about money because it's not Everton are a prime example of how not to do it they've still got some good players though Everton I mean I don't think many people would, would say no if uh, Onana or maybe uh, Decore ended up being some sort of squad player for Newcastle next season but the point is they can't score goals they concede too many goals and yeah once Newcastle got through that early stage in the, and then also you know, like I said grabbed the goal and then the second half was always going to be in Newcastle United win, and it was a it was a good second half performance. I felt the last fifteen twenty minutes was Newcastle free flowing, but by then Everton had practically given up anyway. Uh, and what I did find funny, a lot of people saying, "Oh, Newcastle United are time wasting." Everton fans, Newcastle United time wasters, time wasters. Newcastle would have quite happily played another 20, 30 minutes and made that a seven or eight uh, one win. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't think there was didn't think there was much time wasting yesterday compared to games gone by. Um, I will say one thing, you know, we're very quick to jump on the likes of Ten Hag and Arteta and Klopp and all these managers that say Newcastle have spent and spent and spent. And I thought Sean Dyche last night coming out and saying that actually this our Everton team needs to be what Newcastle are. Five or six of those players last season were getting booed and they were, you know, not in the good books of the fans. This is what we need to do. And, and it was actually good to see a rival manager not getting rattled and actually saying Newcastle have done really well with the players I was inherited. Um, but yeah, Newcastle could have played, you know, as you say, another half an hour, and I don't think Everton would have uh, got anywhere near them. Fred says, "What a manager! What a team! What a win! What a set of fans! And what a city!" Newcastle class in the second half. Isaac's run for Murphy's goal was world class. We'll get on to the assists. Don't you worry. We've got Billy still over in sunny Spain. He says he apologised to the people who complained about the noise last night. I had a complaint from a lady in Madrid who could hear my scream when I thought Fabian Shared scored. <laughs> P.S. Loving the show, boys. Thank you, Billy. I'm sure hope you're enjoying your time over in Spain. Let's get on to then the assist because <laughs> Newcastle scored four goals and we will get on to all four goals. But I want to talk about assists mainly because I've been thinking we have the tendency to set up, don't we? Fan clubs in a whim here. We've already got one. We've kind of got a second one established in the Joe Willick Assist Club. I think we just need to set up a Newcastle United Assist Club Appreciation Society because, again, last night, do you know what? Great goals are fantastic. I, you know, Great goals you love to watch them, you love to see them, but great assists, man. Is there anything better than just a great assist? And last night we had, we had another two fantastic assists. I've got, I've got a theory about last night's assist by Alexander Rizak. Oh, come on, and then. We know, obviously, that Newcastle United players love the Everything's Black and White podcast. They clearly listen to the Monday show, and Alexander Rizak clearly listened to Monday show where he heard you call Joe Willock's assist against Tottenham the assist of the decade. And he thought, I can't be letting that stand. I can't be letting my good mate have the assist of the decade. I think we're going to disagree on this because I think Isaac is better than Willock's. And I, I think you're going to... Oh, do you know what? Yeah, we'll go. I, I, I don't. I, look, Isaac's was fantastic, brilliant, and I will watch it over and over again. But I still think Joe Willock's one um, on the weekend against Spurs is better because he's just got that he's, he's got seconds to make that decision in his head he's also got to look out for that vision 
uh, you know, the run of, of, of Isaac, which isn't easy to do when it's a 30, what, 35, 40 yard pass. I still think that one is better. I thought Joe Willicks won last night. I thought we couldn't get any better than that last night because yeah. that was fantastic. You know, everyone's forgetting about that one. Lovely little Maisie running it. The, the way he knocks that ball back into the box, I mean, seriously, I know everyone's watching the Isaac assist, but let's have some love for Willick's one last night because that one was up there as well. Just, I don't understand how he's just shifted quickly onto the left and put it back into the box. It was, it was beautiful. But yeah, for me, I'm sorry, Alexander, if you are listening, but it's Joe Willick's pass still for me. We will have a poll up on the website this afternoon so that fans can obviously have their vote on it. But for me, I just think Isaac... The one, the one thing I'll, I'll say in, in favour of Willicks is that Everton's defending last night was a pretty shoddy. But I just think he's going nowhere. He's trapped in the corner. He's got four players around him. Everybody's saying that it's shades of Thierry Henry. I agree. I think it's shades of R9, Ronaldo. Where he just... Well, we had John Gibson saying, and you'll hear this on tomorrow's uh, match preview podcast. He said it was shades of Madonna. I was like, Madonna there. Madonna there. <laughs> Goodness didn't me, Madonna. Had, didn't know she had a, Living on a prayer and all that. That's what our Saints will be doing on Sunday. No, uh, Maradona <laughs> uh, against England. And you saying everyone remembers the hand of God, but if you remember that other goal that Maradona scored. He says it reminds him a little bit like that of that. In the words of Rio Ferdinand, let's just, let's just enjoy them both. Let's just not try and compare. They're both absolutely unbelievable. Um, but I agree, Willicks last night, the confidence to take Godfrey on, on his weak side and get past him with ease. Um, as we said after Tottenham, he just looks like he's never been playing with this confidence. Even when he scored 7-7, seven and seven, I don't think we saw Joe Willock as confident as we've seen him now. Um, and I know that you know it's something that keeps getting brought up, but that England call has got to be, got to be coming up. He's fantastic again yesterday. Um, a lot of people talking about the, the, the assists here in the comments. Um, to coin a phrase, says it was world class, but was it technically an assist? Well, see, I don't think it actually went down as an assist because apparently it took a deflection on its way through to Murphy. So, yeah, does that mean Willick wins by default? I'm not sure. I don't know. Have, have we discussed this on the podcast before, right? If, let's say, Isaac's running through there and he takes a shot, Pickford saves it, it falls to Murphy, Murphy taps it in. Is that a great goal? Yeah, I think it is. You think it is? Yeah, I think it is. I've discussed this with Boosie, Radio Newcastle's Matthew Raysbeck before, and I don't think it is. So you think if Isaac had done that run last night and then shot, Pickford saved it, and Murphy scored, you don't think it would have been a good goal? For me, the goal ends, the the run of play ends at the the moment the keeper touches it. And Isaac wouldn't have got the assist? Well, no, on paper he would have done, but the keeper saved it, so the end goal isn't... Hasn't come to fruition, has it? I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm just, I'm, we're, we're going off track slightly. Yeah. I just wanted to, to ask you that question yeah. after to kind of phrase as a point there. Uh, Darren says, fantastic result last night. Great to see Murphy on the score sheet again. Yeah, I don't think you can quite believe his luck. Um, Callum Wilson on the score sheet as well. And it is really good to see that both him and Isaac are really kind of loving the competition they are stepping up. They know yeah. they have to step up. I think Eddie Howe said neither can afford to have a bad game. Well, I don't know when the last time either did. Absolutely fantastic yet again. He was man of the match for me last night, Wilson. And I know a lot of people will give it to Joel and, and, and others, but I think um, Wilson, for me, was just absolutely fantastic. He was bullying the defenders as per, I thought, as um, that second goal. 
beautifully taken. Even the reaction to get the first one I thought was really, really good. Um, really glad that Howe brought Isaac on to play alongside him because we've seen it. He's done it a couple of times when they're chasing games and it works and now we're seeing it when they actually had a bit of freedom to play together. Really interesting comments from Wilson at full time where he says that you know Isaac's a top, top player. He really wants more minutes with him. Um, he kind of set his stall out there, didn't he? Because he did say something on the lines of, I'm more of a traditional yeah, centre forward. Isaac can play on the wide. Yeah. And it was kind of like, Eddie, this is how you're going to do it, mate. I'm going to be up top. He's going to be on the left. But how was actually asked about that on, on BT after the game and, and reiterated again what he keeps saying, that he doesn't see it from the start as a traditional, you know, two strikers, a nine and a ten. He, he, he sees it more for bench, he sees it more when they need it rather than every game. And, and as I've said before, I think that's the way to do it. I think a little bit of that might be the fact that if one gets injured from now yeah. to the end of the season, which on the home run, you know, Newcastle are looking quite comfortable, you know, losing a, a striker for the last few games is not going to be good for you. So I think that also plays a part. Maybe when they sign, as I believe they're going to in the summer, a, a third striker. A Chris Wood replacement. Really. Yeah, they may then go and um, start Isaac from, from the start. But then again, he's got a load of competition because you would assume it would be out on that left because he keeps proving he can play out wide and drift in. But he's going to have a ton of competition as well. And they'll probably go out and sign another winger, okay, primarily for the right side. But, you know... He's going to have a lot of people to, to be up against. It's going to be interesting to see what he does uh, next season. But yeah, Callum Wilson's second goal, absolutely uh, fantastic. Murphy, as we see on the score sheet, great to see him smiling away. Um, just to, just yeah, just good to see them continuing to score goals. Yeah, I think what's, what's the start? It's something ridiculous, isn't it? Like, is it 15 in the in the last three games, as Roger Cook's kindly pointing out there? Um as I say, blowing teams away. I think if you're Southampton, you're absolutely panic stations ahead of this weekend at St James's. You run a form. How many cats are playing? The fact that he how could name any one of fifteen different players in the starting eleven, and it wouldn't really weaken the team. Um, as I say, four home games between now and the end of May is huge, and I mean, Eddie Howe won't bother in a minute. But I mean, they're so close to that top four now. So yeah. close. What, what do you make of the fact that it has been discussed more now, kind of out in the open? I, do you think, anyhow, he has taken that? I mean, we don't know whether there, there was a, ever a ban on the word Champions League up until recently, but it does seem more and more players are, are, are openly speaking about the possibility. Yeah, I think it was interesting that Trippier came out on, on Sunday after the Tottenham game and said, we want Champions League. And it was the first time we've really heard a player at this stage of the season say something like that. Wilson was a bit different last night. He sort of didn't answer the question. He said, oh, we're going in the right direction. The games are running out. We'll keep picking up points. Eddie Howe, every time we ask him, it's the same answer. He, he lets us do the talk and he wants us to get the calculators out. He's not bothered in the slightest. Um, but I mean, now it would take a huge... I think Liverpool would have to win all their games. Newcastle would have to lose three of their final six. It's a big ass to, to throw that away now in the form they're currently in. Shall we hear from Eddie Howe then, after the game? Here we go. Yeah, I think the confidence was, was there. It was evident in that second half. Um, maybe a bit of the, the edge of the game had gone. Um, but I think we had to earn the right to, to sort of get to that point because Everton put us under pressure, a lot of long balls, a lot of crosses in our box. I thought we defended our goal really well in that first half. And the, the first goal was probably our best move. Um, and it came at a good time for us. How satisfying are those as a manager when, when you do earn 
I think in any game you have to do the basics right so goal kicks long free kicks um, as I say crosses I thought we had to be perfect tonight because Everton would take advantage of us if we weren't um, mentally we had to be really good I thought we learned from the game here last year which was very very similar in terms of timing and conditions so uh, yeah really positive night for us we scored some really good goals as well so really really pleased with that side of the game too yeah I think it's a very good point because I think when you look you know, you look at the Tottenham game and analyse it and you see scoring the amount of goals we did in a short period of time, you then come to a totally different game. I mean, we knew today was going to be chalk and cheese from that game, that environment that we were playing in. So I felt my team needed to reflect that in its performance. And I thought we did. And that's a huge credit to the players for turning up, dealing with the physical challenge, the direct play. Um, everything that Everton threw at us in that early stage of the game, we, we dealt with and... And then our quality showed. He's spot on. They got through the, the tough times there. And he was right. It, totally, totally different game. It, very easily a, a banana peel kind of game where you expect Newcastle to slip up. Mm-hmm. And we've mentioned there how important it was that they, they pick up the three points after having to face such a difficult 15, 20 minutes. But also beating a team like Everton where, you, where it's a totally different standard to Spurs. I know Spurs were dreadful, but in terms of what, what they're going for this season, um, it, it just shows that Newcastle can win in, in different ways. And again, that's just a sign of a, a good team. Yeah, it's reassuring to know that they're not going to always be you know as fluent and as relentless as they were at Tottenham. And yet, you know, yes, they rode the look at times last night a little bit, but... You know this team, the the run of form they're on. They've got the confidence to just go out and and blow teams away. I think with the games coming up, you know, a lot of teams still fighting for something. Southampton, Leeds down at the bottom, Arsenal. Yes, the title might have gone, but they've still got to go and, and you know try and keep it up on City. They're going to have some tricky games between now and the end of the season. They're not going to have it all their own way. And I think, as you said, you know sometimes it's better to win dirty like that than it is to absolutely blow teams out of the water. Indeed. Um, when he talked there about a physical challenge, do you think that's maybe why he picked Callum Wilson ahead of Isaac just to begin with? Because you are going up against two big centre-backs and he, you know, he's got a bit more muscle about him. I mean, I do believe that Isaac's deceptively strong. He just mm-hmm. doesn't look like it. Uh, but do you think that's maybe the reason Wilson started ahead of Isaac? Yeah, potentially. I think his goal record against Everton as well is probably a big factor. I think that's eight and six he's now got against them which I will definitely know all about. I think also the fact that Sunday was quite testing, even though they were you know, out of sight by 10 minutes. I think there was a lot of tired bodies there. Not surprised he made three changes last night. Um, I think he probably reverts back to the team that played against Spurs on Sunday. That's just my opinion. Um, and I think he knows. We saw it against West Ham last month, or sorry, early this month. We've seen it last night. Throw Wilson in from the start. The team's not depleted at all. It means you give Isaac a rest, who's you know maybe still not at a hundred percent after earlier this season. Um, Could you imagine when he is a hundred percent? Well, we kept saying Eddie Howe the last couple of months. You know, is he hundred percent fit? And Eddie Howe said, in another team, maybe in my team, the way I want to play, the intensity, no, you've got to be getting up to speed now. Because if not, then I think Harlem wants to be worried next season. Fred says Eddie Howe has been brilliant and considering where he took over to where we are now under his leadership, he definitely deserves manager of the season. I mean, I've seen some bizarre calls. Eric Hag if he wins the FA Cup. Gary O'Neill, I saw yesterday. Goodness me. I mean, there's only one man in the running, surely, isn't it? It's got to be Eddie Howe. I think if Arsenal had won the title, that would have been the only sort of 
stumbling block for how to win it. Yes, Deserby and Thomas Frank have done fantastic at Brighton and Brentford, but I just think nah, there's, nobody's done a job like Hull this season. And Darren says, after last night's result, you can see Leeds, Everton and Southampton heading out of the Premier League. I think Forrest will stay up due to the bad form Leeds are in. I do think Southampton and Everton are gone. I don't think Newcastle are going to have any issues on, on Sunday, not unless uh, James Ward-Prowse wants to play himself into the future of Newcastle United. He might have an absolute stormer. But, got um, taken off half-time last night because he was ill, so either he's saving himself, for, preparing, saving himself for his audition in front of you, his biggest fan, or he's just... We've said this Scared before about players, players, haven't we? We said Thielmans has got an audition and he was absolutely pants, wasn't With he? Tommy last time was up here. Audition yeah. pants. So, but just actually, let's just keep saying they've got auditions and then their best players don't perform. Not that it'll matter because Newcastle blow them out of the water anyway. But yeah, do you think those are the three to go down? Um, look, Bournemouth have, have pulled off a fantastic run. Forest, Forest at home, you know, seem to are a different animal. Leeds, I think Leeds just look done for. Leicester still firmly in the mix they can't seem to get out of it I think West Ham and Wolves and, and Palace are, are pretty much pulling clear now but I think Southampton are done for Everton on last night's basis are in real real trouble and I just I can't see Leeds getting out of it at the minute so maybe Forrest so far is going to keep them up Castle will have a big part to play in the end of it as well won't they facing the likes of Leicester and Leeds and Southampton on Sunday so it's just nice again to see that Newcastle aren't involved yeah. in that, isn't it? Like we're not sweating. What we are sweating on is uh, making sure our passports are renewed in time for, <laughs> for next season. Um, let's talk about Joe Linton then. It, it appears that uh, he was playing through the, the pain barrier, took up a knock, so he's, he's a bit of a doubt for Sunday. Fantastic again. I just we're running out of ways to describe him because he's just brilliant every single week. I say it again. Player of the season for me, without a shadow of a doubt. Great to see him. The confidence he's now playing with. To take a pop there, he's not taking that pop. You know, um, a few months you know ago, last season, he's not having the confidence to shoot there. Obviously, Pickford saves and falls to to Wilson, doesn't it? And then obviously to to be on the end and get head to head home the second uh, goal. Just another brilliant all round performance. Physicality, getting his foot stuck in, picking a pass. Stamina, what more can we say about him? We keep saying it every week, he just keeps delivering eights or nines or 10 out of 10 performances and that level never really drops. Same again last night, we saw it against West Ham, that confidence to want to take players on. We saw it against Tottenham after 30 seconds on Sunday where he was driving at the defence, cutting inside, having a shot. Um, he is now the £40 million striker, I think, that Newcastle thought they were buying in 2019. You can play him in those attacking positions right now and he doesn't look out of place at all. I wouldn't want to play him as a forward. Um, no, but but I mean, you're playing him out on the left of a front three. I'm not saying stick him you know, down the middle where Isaac or, or Wilson would play, but I think in those attacking positions where in the past he just looked lost and you know, so unconfident, I think now he's... he's Maybe not a forty million pound striker, but he's a forty million pound attacking player. He looks worth every penny. Is what yeah, you're and and last season when he sort of emerged as this midfielder, everyone was talking about how good he is in in the middle three. I think now we're starting to see that he can actually put in just as good of a performance out on the left or in you know a more attacking position than he has done than we've ever seen him really in the last four years. A new nickname for him here from to kind of phrase he says, or they say I agree. Player of the season, Juggernaut Joe. It's a good one. Oh my God, I'd never thought of that. Juggernaut yeah, Joe, I'm liking one. it. 
I totally agree with you. I thought it was good yesterday as well. I didn't think the midfield were at their best, especially in the first half, and yet they picked it up and we saw the level that they can go to. But, but, but just to be able to kind of... I think they did end up dominating it and just to be able to say that when in the first 20, 30 minutes they, they were not up to scratch at all is, again, it's just a good sign of a good team. They've struggled against teams at times this season that play two central midfielders rather than three and I think that was a, a little bit of the case last night in the first half. If I'm completely honest, I thought Longstaff and Bruno were really, really poor in the first half. Yeah, I thought Neither that was Bruno's... Worst game, I think, in recent times. Neither of them looked like they wanted the ball. Neither of them wanted to keep the ball. Really, really shoddy passing. Um, Do you worry about Bruno and the fact that he is playing with this injury? And I just, but how? How? I know. I know. We always talk about how how likes to deceive us on injuries, but how insists that he's fine? How insists that yes, he had a little bit of issues around the cup final and afterwards, and. does he look like he's playing through the paint? You, I don't, I don't think. I he thought does. yesterday he didn't look a hundred percent, and whether he's just had a bit of a, an off thirty minutes or so. But I didn't. I know people were saying, "Anybody got the assist for Wilson's goal?" Okay, he did. He did have a much better second half, by the way. Well, everyone had a better yeah. second half, didn't they? I yeah. just, I do worry whether him playing. He, obviously, he doesn't want to drop out. Why would you? Because you're coming to the the, the business end of the season. But I just felt yesterday he just didn't look himself. If I'm completely honest, it just it just reaffirms the fact that we've been banging on about the last couple of months is that they needed a John Joe Shelby replacement in January to add a bit more cover, and they didn't get it. That move's gone well for John Joe, hasn't it? Yeah, no, frozen out already. I mean, that that double move to Forest, one, I mean, Dan Ashworth has pulled their pants down with that Chris Wood bid. He's out for the rest of the season. And I, from what I've heard, fans weren't very happy with him. And, I mean, John Joe Shelby, you know, reverting to type, not going well for them. Yeah, not at all. Grass there. isn't always greener, eh? Nope. Les says, is the issue with Bruno not that the opposition is targeting his right ankle every game? That's that's Les's opinion. We're not saying that is this happening. But clearly, uh, you can see that opposition teams know how good he is. And I think the game plan for many is that if you shut Bruno down, yeah. then you shut Newcastle down. I mean, that's not the case because it's so refreshing that Newcastle have got so many good players that have won as an off day. The rest of them tend to step up but do you think opposition teams are targeting Bruno? Oh absolutely I think it's it's not a new thing I think pretty much every game it happens it's just that a lot of the time it doesn't work yes he's on the end of a lot of heavy fouls and heavy tackles but he usually gets the better of them I think I thought Neil Maupay should have been sent off yesterday if I'm being honest Really? I thought it was a horrendous yeah, challenge. It was a was a. It's not. He's not. He's not missed the ball. He's yeah. just kicked him in the back of the leg. Yeah, I suppose you could you could argue that as well. I hadn't really thought about that one. It was a disgrace challenge, yeah. and Bruno nearly nearly kicked off. But it was good to see Dan Byrne getting in and just saying, "Come on, we're like guys, we're winning here. Let's not let's not ruin." It. I thought it was a disgraceful challenge because obviously Joe Linton went after him as well. Yeah. And also um, the other challenge on on Sean Longstaff was. Utterly bizarre. I mean, I, it, penalty or not? I thought that was a penalty. I think if, well... I thought it was a red card. Looking back at it... I don't think it was a red card. I it's think for time, mind you, it? If I'm completely honest, I think Newcastle did themselves no favours. Longstaff stays down and Longstaff seemed to be the only one appealing. I think if Newcastle players had surrounded the ref, because even in real time, I thought, mm, he's caught him there. And I... Was he on the pitch? Was he on the pitch? Was he off the pitch? VAR can't have looked at that and said it wasn't a foul. Of course, it was a foul. It was. They did look at it. They did look at it. They looked at it, but how are they judging that that's not a penalty? 
It's a ball though, isn't it? I mean, they tell me today's Friday. I'm thinking it's probably Saturday, if I'm being honest. I wouldn't trust them to look at a calendar, let alone a potential penalty. But I thought that, I thought that was a penalty, and I think if Newcastle players had made a little bit more fuss about it, it would have been given, but luckily in the end it didn't matter. Thank you very much for listening to the episode so far, Andrew Muscovy. I just want to point you guys in the direction of a live event that we're holding on May the 25th. That's a Thursday night. We'll be at the Tyneside Irish Centre myself and Newcastle United writer Kieran Kelly and Newcastle United editor Aaron Stokes and our chief Newcastle United writer Lee Ryder. The Daily Mirror Simon Bird will also be on the panel. But to kick things off, we'll have a club legend with us. Arguably one of the best crossers of the ball ever to play in black and white. Alan Shearer is a massive fan of this man. It is Norberto Solano. This is your opportunity to come and meet a Newcastle United legend and talk about all things Newcastle United with our panel. Hopefully, by that time, Newcastle will have secured top four football, so there's going to be plenty to talk about. A brilliant season so far. What's to come in the summer transfer window and then those nights on the continent, hopefully against Barcelona or an Inter Milan. It's going to be a great night. To secure your ticket, hit that link in the description to this episode and head over to eventbrite.com. And uh, yeah, we'd love to see you. We can't wait to see you. It's going to be a great evening, raising really important funds as well for the Newcastle United fans food bank. So hit that link, secure your ticket, and we look forward to seeing you on May the 25th. Now, what was interesting after that, obviously Longstaff clearly injured after that challenge. He just did not want to go off. Trippier was getting absolutely crackers at the touchline at Longstaff, and then there was a subs made. And it looked like, again, when the subs came on, he was told, come on, get off. And then five minutes or ten minutes later, he was eventually subbed. Um, what do you reckon went on there? What did you make of it? I mean, Trippier looked fuming at the fact that Longstaff wasn't He looks scary off. when he's angry, doesn't he? But to be fair to Longstaff, I think the Longstaff of old might have said, right, OK, you know, Trippier's telling us to get off, I'm going to go. He stood his ground and he did not want to come off. And I know he came off nine minutes later, but... Um, Fair play to him for trying to get through it. That's what we want to see, even if it was, you know, really struggling. Eddie Howe basically said at the end of the game, he said he didn't he didn't know if Longstaff wanted to come on, if he, uh, stay on, if he wanted to come off. He couldn't really work it out. Um, but in the end, he needed to come off and, and they're going to have to assess him before Sunday. Uh, Billy says, I agree, Marpe should have had a red, but dang, burn, calm that situation down for the ref. Let's talk about the decision not to play Dan Byrne. And I am a big, big fan of every time Eddie Howe drops a player, rests a player, call it whatever you would like to call it, they are ill. Because Dan Byrne was ill. Yeah, ill. A miraculous recovery, just like Longstaff against Villa. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the whispers before the game was that he was ill and that he wouldn't be risked. I'm wondering whether the performance that Matt Target put in was maybe... You know, change that a little bit. It will be, yeah, had him for dinner a couple of times, didn't he? It, it will be when he stormed past him and then shrugged him off the ball. And I, I don't want to be disrespectful to Matt Target. And I'm not saying this is a, you know, fantastically agile, amazing football myself, but it looked like, you know, when in Soccer Aid they put Jamie Carragher up against Usain Bolt? Yeah. It, lo- it was one of those painful ones where he just thought he's just running through treacle here. And then, oh, I just saw it was... He stayed was, down to catch his breath more than anything else, didn't he? stayed he? down thinking, oh, please can share or bottom and deal with this. But Matt Target, is he 100% fit? Probably not. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. But what I will say is that we've been talking about it on this podcast a lot. Lots of calls for him to come in when Byrne has a stinker. He came in last night and he didn't have a good game for me. No, and I think 
the issue is that to get fit, he's going to need minutes, and that's very difficult. We know anyhow, big fan of Dan Burns, not going to change your defence unless he feels he really has to. So when is Matt Target going to get those minutes that make you match fit? It's, it's really difficult. Um, you know, he didn't have a necessarily a, a bad game, but I don't think he did anything which you uh, go into day to, to Benton and you're like, well, I'm definitely starting on Sunday. Because no, it's going to be Dan Byrne, isn't it? Yeah, I'd be very, very surprised if it isn't. But yeah, what did you make of him calming down that more pro situation? It, it, another sign of a, a good leader on the pitch. Yeah, I think, you know, him and Trippier exemplified it again uh, last night. Both very, very calm when they needed to be. That's just what you get from Burnham, isn't it? Yes, he can lose his ragged a little, you know, a little bit and sometimes ends up effing and blind at the referee. But on... on in moments like that, that's where you you know he's really really a, a good influence on the team. I thought performance wise as well, he did okay when he came on. You know, good going forwards. Um, Fabian Cher not happy with him though for getting offside in that denying that fantastic goal that Billy was screaming the the house down for. But yeah, really really good. Very surprised if he's not back in Sunday. Yeah, great effort from Fabian Cher, but um, I suppose it's right when you're winning four one that. Someone gets in the way of it. He has commented today with an angry face on 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 Twitter, but he says the kind of the three points is all that matters. And there's clearly a great team spirit, a great unity running through the dressing room, great mentality as well. Like we say, to beat a club like Everton, who made the racket they did beforehand, fighting for the lives. It's a cup final day, but also when Eddie Howe is making the changes, I think he's making them without the fear of anyone kicking off. I don't think in the past we've had that at Newcastle under, under different managers and I don't think many Premier League clubs probably have that running throughout the dressing room where you can make decisions that you think are for the benefit of the team and the players kind of accept it and the only way they push back is by coming off the bench and you know running past all 11 players and popping the ball into the uh, box for the second best assist of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I think the group that they've got is just, you know, we've said it so many times, the group is just such a tight-knit unit. Eddie Howe wanted it that way in the summer when they were getting offered players left, right and centre. He wanted this really cohesive group with no sort of players to come in and think they're bigger than the team. And funny enough, a, a colleague that I used to work with on the Nationals, who was an Arsenal fan, messaged me last night on Twitter and said, do you think he's going to be able to keep Callum Wilson happy? Everybody knows he's actually out and out striker, but Wilson's, you know, is he going to get the game time? And I thought, well, Wilson's Wilson's not the player to kick off anyway, but at the minute, he just, he's doing all he can. He's coming in when he needs to come in. He's not huffing and puffing. He's, you know, stamping his authority on the team. And also, my mum, who's a big, big follower of the podcast, she'll be listening to this. She actually texted me last night and said, I love every single one of these players. And I was thinking it's so hard to remember a time where you loved every single player in the squad there's no bad eggs every single player playing for the team um, and hopefully we've talked about this so many times the challenge is making sure that as Newcastle go up a level and start playing the Champions League that you somehow manage to keep that squad as cohesive as it is without big personalities around it and he was asked about that wasn't he in the press conference last week and he, he said kind of what we've been saying that it's got to be the right player and he kind of mentioned the kind of the, the, the unity and the, the feeling within the dressing room. It is going to be it's going to be very 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 difficult. I'll ask you more about that in a second. Uh, Roger says target got done a few times. It was still good to see a proper left back in action. Shades of what's to come. Fingers crossed. 
Anthony says, love the way Murphy made the celebration all about Isaac shows team before individuals 100%. And it's interesting there you mentioned about Callum Wilson. I think what probably plays into the hands of Eddie Howe is that, without being disrespectful, how many other opportunities are the likes of Wilson, Jacob Murphy, going to have to play in the Champions League? That's exactly the point, isn't it? I don't think anybody's going to want to rock the boat at the stage of the season and potentially jeopardise a European night next season. And the likes of Wilson and Target know that they're one injury or suspension away from walking back into that team. Um, so, yeah, I think that's definitely another factor. And Derek says, I wonder if St Maximum has looked at Willick Eno and Isaac's assist and thought, hmm, I'd better get my act together. It was Willick last Sunday, Isaac, as we know, listened to the pod on Monday. Who on earth is going to step up on... This Sunday, uh, my money's on Bruno. I think we're going to see a, a piece of quality from him. Because I've said he's struggling and he's going to he's going to go right. This this one's for you. That Andrew's just just talking here. a load of waffle. <laughs> Thanks, Bruno, if you are listening. Um, yeah, again, let's not forget about uh, Willick's assist last night. Can we just let's not forget about it, people, because it's up there. I haven't forgot about it. It was a um, fantastic bit of play. Go on, I'm just I'm just making making sure <laughs> on um, the comments made by Adia then about bringing individuals in just give a bit of insight into you think how, how it's going to work between him Steve Nixon you know obviously all these scouts that they're, they're looking for have employed all the head of recruitment and what have you um, Dan Ashworth how is it going to work you know it, what I'm kind of trying to understand is maybe the, the the chain of command so to speak I think Eddie Howe's 100% got the final say on players even if Dan Ashworth thinks it's a good fit and Howe doesn't want it you know that's the deal vetoed Steve Nixon we know has got you know his fingers in a lot of pies he's been in South America the last couple of months um, numerous occasions trying to find the best sort of young Brazilian and um, Argentinian talent they're obviously hiring a lot of European scouts as well to try and make sure they've got the sort of a, an eye over all the leagues Ashworth will have his team. They'll have their list for this summer, which I'm sure is flexible and they're changing given, you know, who's in and out of form and what competition they're going to be in mainly. Um, I think Nixon brings them the players along with Ashworth. If Ashworth thinks they're a good fit for the club and the way the club want to move forward, it gets put to Eddie. I think Eddie gets the final say. Um, as Les has just said here, Joe Pedro to Brighton agreed apparently from numerous of sources. Now, of course, yeah. Newcastle came very close to signing him uh, in the summer in, in January as well I think it was wasn't it uh, clearly a player they liked clearly a player who I, th- who I believe was on the list as well this summer Brighton have got the steal on that one um, bit of a bit of a blow do you think yeah everything you hear about Joe Pedro positive he's had a very good season in the championship even though you know he was sort of denied that move in the summer um, Brighton very very rarely miss with their um transfer targets I'd be surprised if, if he's a flop there if he goes there it just shows Newcastle are fishing the right pond though if Brighton or anything to go by the players that they're spotting you know as I've said are, are moving on to bigger clubs are doing really really well actually what they've done is they've team. gone oh Dan wants them yeah. it's good enough he must for, be good for us yeah. I'm joking Brighton do an excellent job and it's a, it is, it's great to see them trying to, to rattle the established uh, so called big six as well and it's interesting if you look there I've got the table up here and we're looking, uh, if you look at the bottom six, maybe, maybe say seven, I think you could take a player, at least one player from each one of those teams who, who could help Newcastle in terms of 
progressing next season. I mean, Southampton, we've mentioned Ward Prowse. They've got the stop laughing, stop laughing, right? Ward Here he Prowse is on commission again. You know, you've got the the young centre back. Uh, yeah, and then you look at Everton. I've mentioned, you know, the likes of Unana, um, who I think could quite easily do a job. Or Demar Gracia, Newcastle. We like the need an extra little winger. Leicester City. There's a name there. That totally escapes us. You could What's actually you could actually pick three or four, I think, from Leicester. You're going to say Tealman's, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, no, Harvey Barnes. <laughs> Harvey Barnes. You are, I think Madison's the one that tops it. I'm a yeah. big fan of Harvey Barnes. Barnes I would love, yeah. Uh, Ian Acho, I would absolutely love no, to have him. Yeah, I don't know if he's too sulky, maybe, no, you know? Good player, I think. Really good player. Um, and then, of course, uh, yeah, I said Tealman's, Harvey Barnes. So a lot of... Uh, even, right, Samari. And I know I know the history there and Steve Bruce and his little private jet and what have you, but <laughs> I think... I think he's come into his own, actually. Really, really struggled, didn't he, before this season? He's not going to oust. Like flop. Yeah, maybe he's a squad player. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm convinced. Not in the forest. I mean, there's one there's in that stand. There's two names. There's that two. Stand Go on. Chris Wood and John George. <laughs> <laughs> no, the one that stands out, not in the forest. Brennan Johnson. He's yeah, Brennan Johnson. Big good future player. ahead of him. Renan Lodi, potentially at left back. Um, wouldn't be surprised if they sort of revived their interest for them. There's a couple in that forest team. Um, that you think oh, we would do a job. Jack Colbert. Uh, on to Leeds United. And we've spoken oh. we've spoken about I mean, I'm a big fan of Tyler Adams. Yeah. Um, there's a few with Jack us. Jack Harrison, really good player. Rock has been mentioned yeah. as well. Willie Gonotto. He? Well he's not even getting any game time. How we found him for three million. You've had um Somerville as well being linked and yeah. the other the other chap on the other side. Um have also been linked recently, I can't remember his name. Um It'll come to us, but yeah, there's been a few linked because they're young and they've got potential. Yeah, and there's been a few linked there. West Ham, Declan Rice in it. Rice, imagine Declan Rice. And if I'm completely honest, very very slow start of the season, but really looking good at the minute. And Lucas Paqueta. Lucas Paqueta, just you know, imagine that the Brazilians. Imagine yeah. the Brazilian three. The three. No, but Joe Willick, man, he's, yeah, he's long, my favourite long staff. Where does he? Go? No, no, can't have can't have too many Brazilians in the squad. Then on to Bournemouth there. I mean, Philip Billings been mentioned again yeah. recently, and someone that obviously Eddie Howe knows about. And look, he's—I think he would be an excellent squad, little squad player to have. Yeah, really, really good um, at St James early this season. He's had a very, very good season in front of goal. I actually like um, two Jaden Anthony, very good player down the left, and also that young left back they've got Zamura, both very good players um, that I wouldn't mind taking either. And I'm just going to jump up to Crystal Palace on the table because obviously Wolves are there, but you've got Ruben Neves who could do a job, but Eze. Yeah. Eze, I mean... Or Elise. Yes, I mean, two fantastic players. I think with Eze, I've been told that you can't really put him into a system. You have to build mm -hmm. the system around him, which could potentially... Is he good enough to build an entire team around in the Champions League? I don't think so. No, no, good player, though. Good, good players to shot about. And let, let us know there about the, 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 the players we've mentioned there. There's a few comments coming in. Darwin says Harrison would be a good one. Les says definitely Brennan Johnson for me. Uh, Darren asks about Somerville, who I mentioned um, there. Um, yeah, so plenty of, of good comments there. Rice as well mentioned. Roger says, <coughs> I've got to my Roger says uh, the, the wages would be a stop, unfortunately. Well, that's going to be one of the issues, isn't it? How much do Newcastle really go and spend on wages and potentially break the structure they've got so far I think not even the wages just the money it would take price wise to get them out David Moyes has already came out and said it would take a record fee and for Newcastle to go out and spend over 100 million on a player it would be a big big ask at this stage 
in their journey. It certainly would. Um, what we're going to do now is talk about the comments from the Aston Villa CEO. You've probably seen it doing the rounds on social media of late and basically saying not only does he think the Premier League should re-examine the Newcastle United takeover, he believes they are doing. Yeah, very, very interesting um, comments from him on speaking to Sky News. Goes completely against what Richard Massa says that, you know, these things aren't talking about publicly. You know, I'd be very, very surprised if Aston Villa CEO has that type of information when, you know, as Richard Massa has said, it isn't really widely spoken about until after the investigation's done. Um, look, I thought some of his comments were valid about Chelsea and Abramovich, but yeah, really, really weird for him to attack Newcastle like that, I thought. I suppose it's something that Newcastle United fans and Newcastle United themselves have just had to, to got used to and are going to have to just deal with, I guess, because every time something like this comes up, that question is going to be raised. And the more successful Newcastle United are, the more criticism, the more scrutiny that's going to come the way of the, of, of the board and, and the club. It's nothing new, is it? I mean, we've had this before. There's you know, obviously a lot of Premier League clubs that weren't happy with the Newcastle takeover, even going through in the first place. A lot of them that have called privately for it to be re-examined. Eddie Howe and the club have had these you know, questions before. They'll deal with them in the manner that they're dealt with. And if an investigation comes, an investigation comes. But at the minute, I just I just don't think there's enough grounds for it in the, in the Premier League size. I think Billy's been on the sangria, if I'm being honest. I think it could be interesting should the tune go out and spend big and bring in Harry Kane. Does he get in over Wilson and he's like, that's my question. I don't think he would suit the system, would he? I, I know think, it... look, I think very, very good, I mean, because that was saying very, very good player, he would walk into pretty much any team in, in the world. But again, you know, he'll have a lot of suitors this summer and I just think Newcastle at the stage won't be able to tempt him. But sticking with Spurs, we want to say thank you to Spurs for a 2-2 draw against Man United. It means Newcastle have a two-point gap on Man United in third. Man United still do have a game in hand. Um, but a good result in terms of Newcastle chasing third place because that's where Newcastle United are at now. They're not worried about fourth. They want that third place. It's a, um, a great result for Newcastle, I think. It felt like the perfect result, really. We don't want Spurs getting too confident and winning and trying to claw back a top-four spot, but also, as you say, to damage Man United like that. Um, yeah, perfect result, I thought. And Newcastle United, are they, how close are they to that securing top-four, do you think? If you ask Eddie how, he'll say they're not close at all. I think if you ask me, who I don't mind sort of saying it and potentially jinxing it, I think, look, they're so close. It would take the most monumental of fall-offs for it to not happen and the evidence so far this season and last at Newcastle don't really do monumental fall-offs at all. So um, two, two, three games, I think. I think they're, they're, they're a couple of games away. How do they deal with Sunday? Because the worry will always be complacency. It didn't show against Everton. Um, Southampton... Pretty much no, I think, if they don't pick up a win on Sunday, that's curtains for them, isn't it? Yeah, you imagine so. I think going into that game, the message should really, in an ideal world, be do what he did against Spurs. I think they need to be quick out the traps again. No more of this letting teams have the better of the first half and then picking it up. But one thing I want to say is that we haven't really seen that at St James's Park recently. I think it'll be another big atmosphere Sunday, a nice early kick-off. Um, and hopefully... 
they're out of sight early doors and the, the sort of pressure can come off a bit. But I think Newcastle at the minute are a different animal at home. We saw it against Man U and Tottenham. They're, they're blowing teams out of the water early doors. Um, and I personally think it'll be the same on Sunday. Let's hope so. Uh, a few more comments on Sam, who regularly fills in uh, when I'm off for me jolly, says congrats on the award. Rumour has it the panel were impressed with the Forest Review episode when Andrew was on holiday. I don't know where you've got that rumour from, Sam. But I did want to actually say uh, what makes it winning the award even more special is the fact that the competition out there, so Sam from Newcastle Fans TV, True Faith, you know, there's loads of fan content out there which makes us have to really step up. And there's other media outlets. We always joke about the, the competitor from the other media outlet. They do a fantastic job. Razor, who we mentioned earlier in the show, of BBC Radio Newcastle does a does a, a kind of different podcast every after every game. So... The market is full of Newcastle United podcasts. Everyone brings something to that market, so it's even more special to get this kind of recognition, I think. Absolutely. And, you know, we always talk about the fan clubs that we've started on this on this podcast. I'm just glad that there's clearly a little Everything's Black and White podcast fire fan group out there. But, you know, in all seriousness, you know, Sam and, and the other contributors to this podcast make it happen, um, as well as, obviously, yourself and Ash and, and me. But, yeah. And look... As you said, it's Friday afternoon. We've got the roses here, with cups of tea. Another huge Newcastle win. What more could you want? Graham says, I think third place should be the target and we deserve it. Can't see us dropping no more than four points. Carl adds, the owners of the club have shown how to create something inspirational for the community. It's been an amazing lift for everyone in Newcastle following the Mike Ashley era. Totally agree with that. Let's just finish on, on another Plus point, um, actually might be the wrong way to describe it, but Callum Wilson getting out and about in the community, obviously food banks are a horrendous thing to have them in this day and age. Is, is it, you know, it's just we should not have to have people relying on food banks, but unfortunately we do. Um, great to see footballers getting out. And, you, you know, sometimes, and I'm not saying this has happened to anyone in Newcastle, but sometimes opportunities present themselves where you think players have gone along just for the going along sake, it looks good. But with Callum Wilson in his interview, you felt it was an absolute genuine, and it, 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 you know it pulled on the heartstrings. Yeah, absolutely. You know, great to see that the players are, are buying into stuff in the community. Like it. I mean, I personally do a lot of work with the People's Kitchen, which has just seen an, an astronomical rise. You know, since COVID, that a lot of people are really, really struggling in the in the region with the cost of living crisis. And you know, as you say, good to see. It doesn't really feel like the players are doing it as a Token gesture. It feels like you know, the club are really making a a, a big effort to do all they can. The work that the, the the club are doing with the food bank as well is absolutely fantastic, and you know should be applauded. So, um, yeah, I'll make continue. And of course, we're raising funds for the Newcastle United fans food bank through our live event, which is taking place on Thursday, May twenty fifth. Over half the tickets have now sold. So, if you want to come along, I'll pop the comments. Uh, I'll pop the link into the comments where you can secure your ticket. Fiverr secures your entry. Not Bertus Solano's special guest alongside the mirror, Simon Bird, Aaron, myself, Kieran Kelly, and Lee Ryder. So it's going to be a fantastic night. Now, to finish off, I did re- I did ask people to sum up Alexander Isaac's assist in one word. It seems that um, <laughs> everyone's kind of reading from the same dictionary, but I'll read through some of them. So Sam Mulner, of course, says Henri-esque. Nicky says Juicy. Brian says Dreamy. 
Craig says special. Jonathan just says ridiculous. Jack says filth. Jonathan says sublime. Beth says magnificent. Ian says sublime. Ian Crow says sick. Craig says filth. I'm going to click on show more replies when I'm a little bit scared of what the word's going to be. And it is... Eviscerating. That's that's a word. And that's from Eric over in the States. Any other words we could use? I'm a big fan of filth. I think that sums it up pretty well. And also, I'm not just saying this, but I did actually... The first word that did come to mind for me was Henri S. So good to see that me and Sam are on the same page as usual on that one. Maisie says John. Billy says sexy. <laughs> I can I can I can see that. Um the comparisons to Henri, apparently the club wanted to make them a long time ago. They were just a little bit wary. They're now everyone's making them. Is he Henri esque? He's certainly got the attributes that I think a young Henri had when he first came to the Premier League. I'm wary of putting the label on it too much because obviously Thierry Henry, one of the best strikers to ever play football. Um, but there's some striking similarities. He's like the same similar frame, same way of dribbling with the ball, eye for goal. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I'm going to. I think the comparisons are warranted. We've got um, loads of other people now throwing in words. We've got Graham saying it was, I said that, insane, didn't I? We've got uh, Craig saying... Pure filth. Uh, um, sorry, no, we've got yeah, Craig saying, then we've got Graham saying it was illegal. We've got John saying it's unsummer upable. We've got Jason saying it was stunning. Um, a lot of people just in love with the second best assist of the season so far. Yeah, but I'm sure we're going to see another contender for assist of the decade on Sunday, given the, the current run. Yeah, you've tipped Bruno, hasn't it? And we'll finish here with Les saying Bruno attending the Down syndrome game was 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 brilliant and yeah it was the con the content the club are putting out now away from the pitch is absolutely brilliant and if you haven't seen that visit it'll be on Newcastle United's YouTube on the foundation as well it was it was a special special moment for the, for those kids yeah amazing and I think as you say Bruno didn't look like he was just there to you know show up and do his job giving them a lot of time um must have been a fantastic experience for those those young children um and yeah just as you say the type of content that we really really want to see from the club Craig says, Isaac's run is overshadowing another fantastic performance by Willick. Excellent run and pass for Jalina and a quality shot. And I said we're gonna, we will finish on this comment. <laughs> John, I thought Isaac might struggle in the Premier League. I told you they existed, you know. I said there were people <laughs> out there that doubted him. Probably 1% out of the, the 100, I think, but yeah. John's been proof on pretty quickly. And still words coming in. Ludicrous says Rishi. I'm not sure if he's talking about John's uh, John's comments. Mesmerising says Brian. And we'll finish with Malcolm's comment. It was Willick-esque. I'd have to agree with that. Malcolm knows. Malcolm knows. <laughs> this has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. Thank you very much for you guys tuning in. Do head over to chroniclelive.co.uk to keep up to date with all the latest Newcastle United news. And if you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a written review if you're on your podcast provider and get your tickets for our live events. Um, it's going to be a fantastic evening, so we hope to see you down there. We shall uh, see you soon. <laughs>